Hey, this is Jim. Welcome back. So glad you've joined me today. Hey, I've got a special guest today I can't wait to introduce you to. His name is Dan Miller. We're going to get on the phone with him here in just a minute. We had a great time talking about several topics that I think will really help you as an internet-based entrepreneur, as someone who's trying to establish their own business and make it grow and do things the right way, keeping life in balance with business and all kinds of interesting topics. We talk a little bit about how you should be educating yourself, how you should be advancing yourself by who you surround yourself with, because the friends and the people and the influences you hang out with is vital. That's why we always talk to you about our Facebook group and the importance of being a part of an online community of others who are heading in the direction you are. Because if you're not hanging out with like-minded people who are pushing you forward, well, you're probably hanging out with people who are slowing you down or, or pushing you backwards, right? So we talk about that a little bit. Now, Dan has been one of these guys who spoke at some of my events. He's been a mentor to me. He's one of the guys that influenced me greatly on starting a podcast. So I owe a lot to him for my success and his encouragement has pushed me to some great places. One of the other things we talk about is who should write a book. And I think maybe you, as a successful business builder, you have a story to tell. You've had to overcome some obstacles. The world would love to hear your story of what you've overcome, your creative approach to business success. Every one of us is different. We have a great story to tell. The world needs more books. No, there aren't too many books. There's too few books from those of us who have overcome big obstacles and gone on to create a great business. There's always a great story there. And yes, I know every great business builder has overcome obstacles. I've yet to ever meet anybody who just stumbled into a massive business success. There are always challenges. So if you want to write a book, by the way, we have a self-publishing company, Service Publishing, S-E-R-V-U-S, publishing.com. We'll stick it in the show notes so you can go check that out. And hey, one last thing before I jump on the line with Dan. The first three minutes or so, we had a few technical difficulties with this audio. So bear with it. 98% of the interview just sounds great, though. But those first three minutes, there's a little popping in there. You'll know it when you hear it. But hey, I'm so glad you've joined us. I'm going to get down on the line right now so you can hear the interview. This was a really good one. Let us know what you think. Yes, welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I'm your host, Jim, as always. So excited you've joined us for this episode today because I've got one of my favorite people in the world with us, Mr. Dan Miller. How are you, Dan? Hey, I'm excellent. Thank you so much, Jim. Honored to be your guest. Oh, this is so cool. Well, you've been a big influence on me, and I shared in the uh, the opening comments a little bit about some of the, the ways we've interacted and some of the things we've done together. But I just want to tell you, man to man, you've been such a huge influence, and thank you. And I was sharing with you a little bit before we started the recording here that you're one of those guys that firmed up inside of me that I can be a, an introvert. And still be a powerful influencer, meaning I, I don't have to be this dynamic, charismatic, get up on stage and sweat and scream and get people cheering to really have an influence on people. Now, that's an effective way. I'm kind of the other end of the bell curve. I'm more the guy that's, you know, rarely raised my voice. And I mean, I get everybody excited, jumping up and down and cheering, but I'm more thoughtful and uh, I like thinking through things. And, and that strikes me as you know, you're the guy that, you know, influenced me to have the confidence Hey, you can influence a lot of people thanks to the internet, primarily in my case, but you can influence a lot of people just being exactly who you are. And you gave me that confidence and, and encouragement because you're a guy who's, you know, what you see is what you get. You speak from the heart. So thank you for that, sir. You've been a big influence and a mentor to me. Uh, thanks. That's interesting to hear you say that. I have the privilege of going to a lot of conferences and I see those guys you're referring to come out jumping up and down and screaming and the music is loud. And then I've been to your conference and 
know, you walk out there and start talking about, you know, how to do things that matter. <laughs> yeah. and, and yet your conferences, you know, sell out faster than anything I've ever seen in my life. But it's, it's, <laughs> certainly, a test, it's certainly a testimony to that. Yeah, you can be yourself and be an authentic is a great way to have a lot of influence. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what you are as well. And, and I know part of your passion and your heartbeat and your ministry, as you call your business as well, is you know helping people find what they were truly made to do and, and find something they can be passionate about and make the, their life have a purpose. I love helping people find the purpose. And you know, one of the statistics I want to throw out there right off the bat, just see if this resonates with you, and we'll, we'll see where we go from here. But I've read and seen in multiple places that if you were to survey Americans or anyone in a westernized culture and just say, hey, are you doing what you feel like you were made to do with your life? Are you right where you feel like you need to be? Only about 20% of us would answer in the affirmative in some way. About 80% of the other responses would be anything from, I'm absolutely not, I'm miserable, to, "Ah, I don't really think so. You know, 80% of us are struggling with, am I doing something meaningful with my life that I was made for? What thoughts does that bring to mind for you? Where does, you know, that you teach people those kind of comments and your podcast is awesome, by the way. Go ahead and tell us about that and your answer, because I know that's a lot of what you hit on your show. Well, thanks. Yeah, I I have a 48 days podcast. It goes out once a week. Love answering questions from people. And yeah, the figure that I most recently heard is that 81% of Americans would change their jobs this year if they knew how. I mean, that's preposterous to think that in the land of the greatest opportunity, we have only 19% or 20% who really say, nah, I'm doing what I should do, doing what I really enjoy doing. Now, the reason for that is not because there's that many bad jobs, bad companies, bad people, nothing on that at all. It's because people haven't taken the time to take a deep breath and look inward first to see what am I suited for? What am I passionate about? What does my personality line up? And a lot of people just look externally. Gee, they're hiring down the street or I hear Big Jim talk about how to make money on Amazon. I'll go do that without first taking a look at themselves to see what is it that would fit me? That's what we got to do. 85% of the process of having the confidence of proper direction in your career comes from looking inward. 15% that is the application. And that big part is what a lot of people miss. Uh, looking inward. You know, I, I spoke recently, and, and this is a, a John Maxwell thing. I first heard him say it, and it resonated with me. And I spoke at a large event not too long ago. It's actually episode number one of this podcast, Silent Sales Machine Radio, where I said from stage, I spent the first half of my life, literally. I mean, I was in my mid-40s. Before I could confidently say, yes, I have found exactly what I was made for. I believe this is what God put on my life. I believe this is what I was made for. I believe this is what I'm going to spend the second half of my life losing myself into. Half my life finding myself, the other half losing myself. What a huge advantage it would be to figure that out when I was about 20, right? But I mean, I think part of that journey of figuring out who you are really inside, I mean, it takes some maturity. It takes some time, <laughs> right? Yeah, you just presented a juxtaposition that is not possible because you figure out what you should spend your life doing because of having experience. And a lot of what you have as experience is figured out what you don't want to do, what you don't fit in doing. So it's it's really theoretically impossible, I think, to figure out what you want to do when you're 18. I mean, the, the examples of people doing that are so rare. That's why we hear about them. But for most people, and I tell guys especially, Jim, I say, you know, do whatever you want to for the first 45, 50 years of your life. You really can't make a lot of mistakes. If we can at that <laughs> point it. 
sit down, take a fresh look at how God has wired you, positioned and prepared you. You can go into the most productive 20 years of your life. That's really the plan that most of us are on. And listen to your wife a lot sooner than you think you probably should (laughs) of all that, right? I mean, like my wife was, was nailing it 10 years before I did. It's just like, oh, she saw it in me before, well before I did. So it's a little tip for the married guys out there. Oh my, that's um, true. But enjoy the journey. Don't beat yourself up if you realize you you need to make a realignment. Just recognize that's a valuable part of your education and preparation. That's what gives you the confidence then to go into something that really is a fit. Yeah, and I choose not to regret and I didn't do any, like, I wasn't one of these guys like, oh, if I, I had to list all the stupid things I did, you know, I didn't do any of those stupid things to destroy my life, but I spent time focused on things that weren't necessarily taking me to where I am now as quickly as I could have and should have, but that's okay. The figuring out, and like you just said, you know, the life experience of, you know, go into the same job that you really don't like every day for two years and thinking that the job is the problem. There's a lesson there. No, the job's not the problem, young man. The problem is inside of you. <laughs> Dig inside of yourself and solve this. It's not the job you should be complaining about. It's your either lack of motivation to go find something more meaningful or I mean, how much are you study and how hard are you hitting on the weekends trying to discover that passion, right? So it always comes back to what's inside of you. And I love that you just, and I don't know that I've ever heard you say that specifically, but really introspective what's inside of me. And it takes some time to discover that. It just does. Oh, it does. It does. But what an exciting process to get that insight. And it's not something you just, you know, go take a class on. It Life has to unfold that process. A lot of times when I'm working with somebody who, you know, is 45 and says, man, I'm really frustrated. My job really sucking the life out of me. It's almost like peeling an onion to get down to the core of who that person has always been. It's not a matter of just saying, well, gee, you know, there are opportunities over here. I know they're hiring here, or here's a brand new trend that we're seeing. Nah, the first thing is really to bear down and see who are you? What makes you unique? From that, then we can get a clear focus and move forward with confidence. Well, let me ask you this, and and this is kind of a worldview question. And I know how I would answer it, but I'm very curious to hear yours. And, And we've got a wide range of listeners here, and I don't expect everybody to agree with everything anyone says, but... Do you believe, and I don't want to sound like a cheap motivational speaker either, but do you believe in your core that every person has a powerful purpose for their existence? <laughs> wow. I, I, yes, I do. I do. I don't think anybody gets left out of that process. I don't think anybody has to be sitting on the sidelines thinking, well, you know, my life is to serve as a bad example. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I I think you've missed it. I think everybody has a potential to find something that they are really passionate about, something where they feel fulfilled, something where they feel like they're making an impact, making the world a better place, all those noble things we want to do. Yes. I think that's available for everybody. I do too. I think a lot of people really don't dig deep enough to really find that. And I don't, this is not some... You know, you have to go sit on a mountaintop for six months and wait for a bolt of lightning. It's not that. It's an ongoing, (laughs) gentle process. But we just get a little more insight if we're paying attention. It's like having a a reticular activator. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. But, you know, if I buy my wife, Joanne, a red Volvo 850 Turbo today, tomorrow I'm driving around Franklin, Tennessee, and I see five of them. And I think, oh, my gosh, did everybody go buy one yesterday? No. 
They were there all along, but they just weren't on my radar. But now that I have one, I'm more aware and I see it more. That's the way we have to be with personal understanding and with recognizing ideas. If we really get in that in that mode, that zone, my gosh, all of a sudden we understand ourselves better. I mean, I have, I have taken so many personality tests, it's embarrassing. I mean, I take everything that comes along, even at this stage of life, because I want anything that can give me a little bit of new insight about who Dan Miller is. And I want to know it, and I'm going to be able to integrate it to make me better Dan Miller. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and I fully agree that every person, I'm not going to dig into my life story because everyone can spend an hour talking about their life story, but really my excuse list is pretty significant. I mean, you get the average hundred guys <laughs> on the street, right? And you're like, okay, give me all the reasons why you should never have succeeded. Go. We could all do it. Well, I came from this and that happened when I was young, but my list, seriously, dude, I mean, Two alcoholics until I was 10, mm-hmm. you know, just in that environment. I mean, my childhood was basically robbed from me. God had to restore a lot inside of me. And, you know, there's other people with worse stories for sure. But I'm looking at if I if I could come from where I was and people with even more challenges and difficulties and circumstances and health issues and just literally no matter what your set of excuses are, you don't have to look very far at all to surround yourself with people who had far worse circumstances and they are thriving, doing something incredible with their life, which I think brings me to a point that I think you'll appreciate who you're listening to and who you're hanging out with is huge, which is why I'm so big on community. You know, Mm -hmm. community solves a lot of problems. If who you hanging out with, I tell my boys all the time is as parents of teenagers, you know, this, if you, you feel free to use this one, if you've got teens, I didn't come up with this idea, but you show me the people you hang out with the most. I don't need to meet the man. I just need to meet the, the four or five people he hangs out with the most, either virtually or in real life. I'll know all I need to know about where that man is heading, what his life will look like in five or 10 years, who he really is, his character. I'll know all of it. Totally. Totally. I mean, we could pull in the old Jim Rohn quote, you know, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yep. And teenagers don't want to hear that. A lot of adults don't want to hear that. Oh, no, you know, I got to just stay in this stinking job with these, you know, whiners and complainers, and I got to stick around, you know, family that's pulling me down. Well, just recognize what that's doing to yourself. And this is not some kind of elitist thing to just separate yourself from people that you do love and care about, but you better be careful about investing a lot of time. And I have relatives that I'll spend three hours a year with and be very generous, you know, and gracious during... But there's no way I'm going to spend three <laughs> well, days. Give me we some, are going give on vacation some together. Uh, give me some names there, Dan. I'm curious. Which, which relatives are we talking about? <laughs> We've all golly. got them. We've all got them. Uh, you know, I know exactly what you're saying. Yes, sir. Um, you know, as, as my dad is fond of saying, I mean, he, he likes to sum things up and it's, drop some wisdom, truth, and some very short phrases. And he says, you know, basically, there's givers and takers out there. Wow. You know, there's, yeah. give, you know, there's givers and takers. You know what a giver is going to be doing? With most of his time, you know what a taker is going to be doing with most of his time. You know, Jim, you mentioned the the things that you grew up with, and sure, I can tell my stories too. You know, I grew up without radio or TV in the house at all. Well, um, it, part of it was economic, but a lot of it was the really strict religious environment that I grew up in. Now, here's the deal. Without that, it drove me to books. Books opened up a world of opportunity to me and continue to serve me well today. There's a couple of German psychologists who coined the term desirable difficulties. And I love that because often the thing that we see as a disadvantage turns out to be our greatest asset. I mean, the, the CEO of JetBlue, the airline, 
is severely dyslexic. He says if there were a pill to take that away, he would not do it because that difficulty opened so many creative doors for him and led to the kind of success that he has now. Oh. And even when we look at this, we look at the story of David and Goliath, you know, the title of one of Malcolm Gladwell's books. Right. Well, we, we think David, my gosh, you know, he wasn't trained as a soldier. He didn't have all the equipment. He didn't have a helmet, a shield, a spear. He was just a short, scrawny little guy. And here he comes up, this amazing giant who was well-trained as a soldier. Surely David is disadvantaged. No. He was quick, nimble. He was. He didn't know you were supposed to do hand-to-hand combat. He kept his distance, and with his accuracy and experience with a sling, took down a giant. But desirable difficulties. But I want to encourage people, you know, to recognize how often that works to your favor rather than your disadvantage. Yeah, it becomes a platform, right? It becomes a platform for your message. It certainly can. A lot of people have used it as such, yes. Yeah, here's the things I had to overcome. Now, that journey of overcoming them can be really rough, and I don't want to downplay that. But I'm right there with you, Dan, that I think, and that's one of the reasons that I just really love hanging out with and encouraging and spending time with entrepreneurs because you can't be self-centered and serve well. If you're going to succeed as an entrepreneur, you've got to serve well. If you're self-centered and your life's all about you and poor old me and my life is terrible, I, you just don't meet many entrepreneurs who have who care around that blank, that wet blanket of just, oh, life is terrible and things will never be better. Entrepreneurs have to have an air of optimism, uh, an outlook that the future is going to be better than the present, that I can make some great things happen. So I love entrepreneurs because step one of having any success in business is some optimism about the future. Otherwise, why would you risk your capital and your energy and your time and in trying to build something? Shouldn't you be building a bomb shelter and storing canned goods under your house? I mean, if you really oh, think my. that the world's ending, like, you know, that's where you go, you know, feel sorry for yourself and your whole. But those of us who are looking forward saying the future is awesome. There's great potential there. I love entrepreneurs and I know you do too. Does that bring any thoughts to mind? Oh, absolutely. In 48 Days to the Work You Love, I have what you do every single day to lead you toward extraordinary success. Day 47 in those 48 is take a millionaire to lunch. I have more people get stuck on that task than anything else I expect them to do. They're like, oh, gee, you know, I could never do that. You know, they wouldn't have time for me. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. People who are successful are the most generous, giving, caring people in the world. People at the bottom of the barrel economically are the ones who are stingy, who are afraid somebody's going to take what little they have. People who are successful give just without any reservation at all. But it always, it tickles me when I hear people talk about how difficult that is. It's just because they have the wrong mindset about what people who are already successful are all about. They're the ones who are most likely to help you, to encourage you, to tell you, you can do it. People who are down and out say, nah, you can't do that. Nah, I had an uncle tried that once. It didn't work. Nah, get around successful people. They're going to give, share advice, resources more readily than anybody else you'll ever meet. Oh, I love it. You know, and I would say do a little bit of homework, you know, because I'm looking at, where I was, you know, 10 years ago, if someone bought one of my books and then sent me an email and said, oh, Jim, dude, I would love to get on the phone with you for an hour. I'd be like, how about two hours? Let's do you know, that. <laughs> someone read my book. This is awesome. Well, now we're doing uh... several hundred transactions per day. And we've got, I've got, it's hard enough for me just to get an appointment with one of my coaches, let alone someone we coached four years ago. Right. So there's gotta be a filter process in place. So I can understand a little bit of the frustration, but 
here's one of the litmus tests that I lay out there. And it's just a little tip for the, for the listener that you may be thinking to yourself, oh, how do I get the attention of a millionaire? You know what? You, you can spend a little bit of time and energy earning the right to approach them. Don't just say, Hey, can I take you to lunch? But I, and I'm sure you have tips too, but something that catches my attention is, Hey, I read this book of yours and I read that mm-hmm. book of yours. I've been listening to your podcast every episode for three months. Here's some things I noticed about episode eight. I had a couple questions for you. If at mm-hmm. any point in the next three months, I could get 15 minutes of your time, I will arrange my calendar. And I'm thinking, wow, okay, this guy really wants to talk to me. Hey, Mary, get this guy on the phone. He sounds awesome, right? Versus, hey, I'd like to pick your brain sometime. Somebody I haven't seen since high school. I heard you're having some success. Let me take you to <laughs> like, you know what? Ah, I don't know that if there's anything there or not. I don't know what's there. I don't know what you've been up to. So you know, what would you say? How do you earn the right? Because I completely agree. Spending time with people who have already arrived at a destination you're hoping to get to someday. Oh, that's powerful stuff. But you do have to earn the right sometimes. It can be a little tricky. It can, but I love the suggestions you're talking about where, yeah, I mean, the easiest way to get somebody's attention. People, people often ask me, you know, how I got to be friends with, you know, Darren Hardy, publisher of Success Magazine, and people like Michael Hyatt and others. Well, I started commenting on their blogs. I went to their conferences, showed up where they were. And it was those kind of things that ultimately created the deep friendships that I now have with those people. Yeah. I mean, I, I get requests multiple times, you know, every day for, you know, hey, can I, we're coming, I'm coming through town. Can I take you to lunch? And it usually is a couple questions that then lets me know, you know, does, has this person even read a book that I've written? And it's not that, gee, they have to invest money to get my time. I don't want to make it appear like that, but it's really a tough use of my time if I have something so readily available and I'll give somebody like that a book. If they just want to know what I think about work, how to find work that's fulfilling, meaningful, and profitable, I'll give them the resources, but my time is something that's very limited. And I'm, so I'm going to go deep with people who are already in the game, people who have earned the right, the old, the old Carnegie thing, earn the right. Yes. And those, those are the ones that we're going to spend time with. Oh, I love the concept of earning the right. There's so much we don't understand about relationships if you don't understand the concept of earning the right. Like, mm-hmm. Well, I was just speaking the truth. Well, had you earned the right to speak the truth yet? You know? <laughs> but um, yeah, you, you talk about a book. Yeah, we give away free books. And that's typically our response when people come out of the blue and like, and this is another great reason to have a book if you don't yet. If you find yourself rising up in the ranks of leadership and success and you don't have a book yet, you need to get one because it's for, for no other reason. This is a great, it's a great way to tell someone very politely that now's not the best time for us to make a three-hour commitment to each other. I'm going to give you this book. I want you to read it, take some notes, put together three or four really great questions and email them to me a month from now. Exactly. That's what we do around here. And here's the big secret. Now, I don't know. My my email may blow up because of this. Who knows? But here's the big secret. 95% of the time, they don't email you a month from now. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Yep. A little bit of action. I mean, that's what separates. You know, I heard you in one of your podcasts recently talk about, you know, information doesn't change your bank account. You know, even setting up systems doesn't change your bank account. You got to get in the game and just a few steps of action will put you a lot closer to people who are already winning. Oh, we live in a time where just, just going a few inches further than the crowd is willing to go puts you into incredible territory. 
uh, where success is just right at your feet. I can't remember the name of the book. A friend of mine was one of my mentors, Bruce, was telling me about a book he'd read about uh, the pioneers and the settlers, kind of how it mirrors the, the old Wild West kind of mirrors the business age that we're in right now. I just loved it mm. and, and tying those the, the different types. But the, one of the things I was thinking is it's kind of like, you know, back then, if you were able and willing and you'd packed your supplies just barely smarter than the next guy, you could go have several thousand acres of Oklahoma. Your family could have that right now. If you had mm-hmm. just packed an extra couple of days of water, right? It's like mm-hmm. we live in that age right now on the internet, except there's not limited territory in this new frontier. It's like, come and take as much as you want. Yep. Come serve people well, and the sky is the limit. That's right. And the whole world's waiting to hear from you if you have something valuable to share. Literally, the whole world. We're not exaggerating. This isn't some kind of <laughs> puffed up, you know, get you fired up over the top. No, literally, the whole world. I mean, I've had people ordering things from me from countries that I'd never heard of before. Now, I'm not real strong in geography, but I found myself going, that's a country? And I flip like, oh, sure enough, there it is. And they just ordered something from us. Uh, what a time to be alive. The opportunity everywhere. I got a request today to speak at a conference in a state in India. Well, they had just the state. It was like Kerala. I had never heard of it. I had to I had to Google to see where it was they were talking about. Yeah, can you get there from here, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, to have influence, to have people that want to come, have me come speak in a part of the world, you know, yeah, that I had to look up on the map to see where is this? Is this in the same universe I'm living in? And the world is begging for entrepreneurs. You know, I, I just really have a strong, you know, and this is something, I don't know, see if this resonates with you. I've never run this past you. This is another Lappin thing. We've brought up our friend Lappin, Daniel Lappin. He, he was on my podcast recently. Go check out those episodes if you haven't yet, listener. But where you can approach life as an entrepreneur, even if you aren't one, if you have a job, you're an entrepreneur. So let's say you're one of those guys in your 20s or 30s. They go, ah, well, I don't have to think like an entrepreneur. I got a job. Well, no, you do have, you are an entrepreneur. You have one customer. And if that one customer, the guy who's signing your paycheck, that one customer thinks you aren't serving him well, he will stop paying you. It's called getting fired. So be very entrepreneurial no matter where you are. And that will serve you well as you actually do become an entrepreneur. And then you have all these chances to lead. Like you said, Dan, you're getting calls. I'm getting calls. I've been called to Russia and events and conventions. And because I had a little success in business and I wrote a little book about how I'm doing what I'm doing. And that led to people saying, oh, well, he's the expert in that arena. So then they start calling you. They want you to speak. That's the next step. And then you're influencing people in huge ways that you never imagined possible. Um, And it's just a nice, to me, it's a very clear path looking backwards over my shoulder now, like it all makes sense. Had I set out saying, I want to be a speaker on stage and I want to do, you know, like, yeah, okay, that's the end goal. And the first step is have a little success and have a story to tell that inspires us. Do something, make something happen. Go out there and serve some people really well. That's your story. That's the hard part. The rest just kind of falls into place over time from my vantage point. Yeah, absolutely. I grew up a farm kid. My dad was bivocationally pastored a little tiny church, but we eked out of living on a farm, but we had 97 acres. That was our territory in the world to prove our success. That's so different Mm. than today. There's no geographical barriers at all. It's just a matter of doing something that matters and people can interact with you no matter where they are on the globe. That is such an amazing opportunity. Yep. I mean, I'm sure that at every point in history, people have thought, you know, these are good times. 
But I just can't imagine that they're having the opportunities that we have today. And yet you hear, still hear people talking about, oh, the economy's bad, you know, the wrong people are in the White House, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Man, what an amazing opportunity to jump in and do anything that really you understand you can add value to other people's lives. You can serve people well. And, of course, that's something you and I share in common and our buddy Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Being successful is a matter of figuring out how can I serve others well. You do that, all the other things that we're seeking show up unexpectedly. Money, happiness, great relationships, serve other people well is a starting point, and you're off and running. Oh, I couldn't agree more. We're speaking the same language. I hope this is challenging the listeners out there. One of the things that I run into is sometimes people think, well, you know, business is this thing I do over here on the side to make sure I can pay my bills. But it's not life. It's a completely separate thing from my life. I mean, I do as little of that over there as I can so I can go enjoy my life on the side. And what I'm hearing you say and what really resonates inside of me too is it's all one big, all blended together. You know, I've been fond of saying lately, for example, to illustrate, I really don't know when I'm working, when I'm playing, when I'm leading, when I'm being a dad or a husband, when I'm ministering, you know, it's all the same. Like right now, am I hanging out with a friend or am I doing business or am I educating myself or am I providing value to my customers or am I being a good dad? Because one of the things that happened right before we started this podcast was I told the kids, Hey, this is some important time for dad. Try to keep the dogs quiet. This is what, you know, this is what dad does for work. And I explained it to them, you know, so I, all that blends together. Right? There's no need to segment all of this off into separate pieces of the pie. It's all one big pie to me. I'm doing what I love every day, and it feeds all those areas. Does that resonate? Oh, totally. My gosh, I have a quotation from James Mishner about blending work and play so that people looking in can't tell what you're doing. So if I'm sitting out here in my patio, and Jim, you've been here to my place, you know, my little barn beautiful, out here beautiful. in the cow pasture. And, you know, so if we're sitting out on the front porch here on a swing, and I'm sitting there by myself reading a book. Am I working or am I playing? Well, it's hard for me to know at times because I would be doing that anyway, no matter what. But I'm likely reading something that then I can integrate into allowing me to serve people better, which is part of my business. It just all blends together. I mean, I get grandkids running around all the time here. You know, they can run in at any time. It's not like, oh, no, Papa's working. No, they don't know. if I'm. And, and believe me, when I have a three-year-old, you know, pop into my office, I don't say, oh, let's see, I think I can get you in next Tuesday at three (laughs) o'clock. Exactly. It doesn't work that way. It has to be seamless if you're really interacting with family. And we've always, family has always been like that. You know, they knew that if it's Thursday afternoon and it's a pretty day, we can go to the park. Uh It's not, oh, no, daddy's not going to be home. Now, I know that I'm spoiled as an entrepreneur. I've never had a real job, but um, I'm spoiling my grandkids. I'm opening their eyes to the opportunities so they'll never be captive and having to feel like they got to go to work, you know, just to get a paycheck. Nah, we can show them opportunities all around them. Yes, I love that. And I've, I've been on both sides of that fence and it clearly, it, it really is a night and day <laughs> black and white thing to me. Like I've been that guy that had to get up and leave the house while his kids and family were all still in bed. And you get to see him that night at dinner if you're lucky. And man, God bless you. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to pay the bills, right? But wow, I mean, I'm sitting here as I'm talking to you, looking out the glass door of my office. There's my little girl, you know, sitting there doing some work at the table. I'm not sure what she's working on. Another kid might walk through. You know, we homeschool. We're all under the same roof. 
this complete flexibility. If it had been a sunny day today, which it's not, I very easily could have said, Hey, Dan, let's do this tomorrow, man. Let's get, let's rebook it. We're going to the zoo today. So, I mean, all of just, and my business just keeps right on humming and growing because of the day and age we live in that this stuff would not have been possible. It just wouldn't have been 30 years ago. The, the number of people well, who got to live that kind of lifestyle 30 years ago is a fraction. Now it's basically anyone who's ready to do the work. That's right. I just had an event here. We have three times a year. We have coaching with excellence. It's a two day event here. So we had packed house here. My eight year old granddaughter sits in every single one of those two days, eight years old. And she sat there not out here playing. She sits there. Hmm. Now she can draw, but she's taking in everything. What yeah. she's learning and absorbing is amazing. Now she and her grandma, my wife just wrote a book together. What if it were possible? So they wrote a book together. It was published by Morgan James. They just did a book signing at Barnes and Noble. So she has her little book. Oh, I love it. So I brought her up to the, the front of the, the conference that we just had here. And I said, okay, Carl, I want you to tell these people about your book. She told them very confidently, told them why she wrote the book, what initiated the stories that came out of that. And I said, all right, your books are $10. So when you sell a book for $10, does that mean you have $10 to spend? No, I give my papa, me, $2. That's the cost. I said, all right. <laughs> so that leaves you $8. I said, so in our initial order, and she's selling books like hotcakes off her own website and at my conferences and stuff. I said, in your initial order, I ordered 500 books. So you're making $8 a piece on a book. What does that mean for you in terms of profit when you sell all 500 of uh, $4,000? I said, yeah. I said, you know, I mean, you could buy a used car with that. And she giggles. She's eight years old. <laughs> but she understands. And I have people thank me. They're saying, I needed to be reminded how simple business is. Oh, Do is. something that has value. Be excited about it. Know what your cost is. Tell people confidently what they need to pay you for it. You're in business. Serve, and, and this you, serve. Yeah. Oh. People respond more to that kind of an example than if I had Warren Buffett on. Oh, oh yeah. What an education. What an oh. education she's getting. You Tell me a classroom scenario that could possibly touch that experience. Oh, my. Well, she and her grandma just spoke at a school, and Clara told the audience they had 140 second and third graders in there. And she went through her book, told them the same thing, and and then she shared with them on her own without her grandma even knowing she was going to That was the first time she had ever been in a school. Well, the kids just went nuts. You know, how do you do that? Well, they travel. They live full time in an RV and they travel. So the kids are, well, where do you go to school? Everywhere. Who's your teacher? Everyone. She, she's just so comfortable with that. But, I, I mean, they, love it. they spent a month in, in Costa Rica last year. Yeah. The experiences she's having and then the things that I allow them to do around here. And I told her mother recently, I said, you know that I'm totally ruining your kids for any chance of ever being content with a traditional job. Well, she knows that. She's very comfortable with that. But, and it's not that we're anti-anything. No, and it's same not here. We're, pro, yeah, we're not promoting this is something everybody needs to do. But the opportunities introduce our children and grandchildren to the principles we're talking about here are just astounding. And what a pleasure. I mean, it, it makes our work so much fun. There's so many rewards to working in your zone, doing something where you know you're serving well that go beyond money. I mean, money is eh, whatever, you know, sure. It's going to be there. It'll yes, flow. we need it. Yeah. We need it. 
yeah, we want to know what's going on, but it comes in waves when you really figure this thing out about doing what you love. Yeah. I mean, I had a company in Japan email me a couple months ago and said, can we please send you a $5,000 check and translate your book into Japanese? I'm like, that's an ebook. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't let you do it for free, but yeah. How about 7,500? And they said, sure. Like, all right. And they send me a $7,500 check and translate my book into Japanese. I'm like, that's cool. Right. I mean, uh, the money just happens if you serve people. Hey, <laughs> have you read the book Weapons of Mass Instruction by any chance? I have not. One of the premises or one of, one of the facts he drops in this book, you'll like this, talking about educating. I'm all pro. I know you're pro-education. I'm pro-education. How we do it best is something we could have a whole lot of fun. We could do a whole show on that. But one of the things he talks about in there, for those people who are thinking, well, I want to make sure my kids gets into a great university. And I'm not necessarily all that excited about great universities. Some people still are. That's cool. But all the major universities, I think he quotes specifically in the book, like Harvard and Yale and like these big time serious schools where you got to have an awesome SAT score and a pedigree and you have to have all this stuff right to even get in, right? He's saying they're all setting aside slots for a certain kind of kid that they'll let in mm-hmm. and sign them up as fast as they can get their hands on them. Now, mm-hmm. re- do, your re- do your homework and research, listener. But Dan, what do you think of this? The two things they're looking for, according to this book, and he has evidence in the book that this is true. Does the kid have his own business that's making a profit? If so, boom, checkbox one. Has he done any kind of extensive international travel? Checkbox two. You get those two, you're in. And my kids got that. I mean, I've got a, my 17 year old is, you know, and you, you were generous enough to send him an autographed book from one of the authors you work closely with and he's just loving it. But I mean, he's booked solid gig after he's doing weddings. He has to take an Uber, doesn't have his license yet. He'll have it soon, but he's taking Uber to go do wedding gigs and people are giving him three, $4,000 checks to come out on a Saturday and shoot their wedding. And he does a tremendous Mm -hmm. job. Like, you know, he could get into, and we've traveled internationally, you know, thanks to the adoptions that we've had and the travel and, and the flexibility we have, he could go anywhere he wants to college. He's running his own business. So yeah, he's very educated on how the world works and how business works. Well, well, we have to broaden our definition of education. It comes in yes, a lot of do. ways in addition to just sitting in a seat regurgitating what a professor says. Yeah. And, I, and I'm a big proponent of education too. I mean, I have, I have degrees, traditional universities, you know, bachelor, master's and doctorate. So it's right. not like I'm trying to defend my own position. No, but times have changed as well. And I also see, I just did a listing on my podcast of 10 major companies that no longer require a degree as part of their application process. Companies like uh, Deloitte & Touche, you know, major accounting firms, real traditional companies yeah. that are saying it just doesn't correlate with success. <laughs> companies like Google it. and Microsoft, when right. they're reviewing applications – they look at the back, the second page of a resume. They're more interested to see, yeah, this kid, you know, painted houses as a way to make money going through college. They're more interested in that than the fact that he got a degree in English lit, which really doesn't matter. You know, this is just my personal, this is just me speaking from the heart. And a couple of things, we've hired a lot of people. I mean, my team is well over a hundred people now. I'll take somebody who worked successfully for a year at a fast food restaurant as a teenager over just about any college degree. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. that's just me. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Now, if you got both, that's cool. But I'm just saying the ability to focus in that environment and to understand the value of a dollar and what it means to serve in difficult circumstances. And I'll tell you this too, Dan, when we hire people, we say right in, right in the description of the job, we say, if you tell us what college you went to, we don't even take resumes. 
We say, if you tell us what college you went to or what grades you got in college, you're instantly disqualified because it tells us you're not paying attention. I mean, I'm sure that's important to you and that was a valid accomplishment and we're proud of you and your MBA is awesome, but I want to know what can you do for me? And that has nothing to do with where you chose to go to college. If you've run a successful business, if you're making great Mm -hmm. things happen, if you know how to do things well in the area that we need them done, nothing else matters. You've got, you've got the values that align with ours. You know, those are the things we're looking at. Not, I went to school X, so you've got to think I'm awesome. Like, no, Mm -hmm. actually that whole mindset is so counter to what we're doing that that actually eliminates you from our process. Yep. Times are a changing for sure. They are. Well, hey, um, I know you've got another call. You're a very busy dude. This has been such a pleasure hanging out with you. Are there any final thoughts? I'm not sure how much time you have left. I know you're kind of up against the clock, but I am. What do you want to leave the listener with? And I'd love to how they can go find you and get some more resources uh, of what you have to offer. Well, I appreciate that. We've got a lot of fun things going on. Certainly at 48days.com, there's a lot of resources, some of the things we've talked about here. We also have the 48dayseagles.com, which is a community of people who link arms and say, hey, how can I help you? We've got a lot of mentors in there that are willing to share their expertise as well. But one of the, one of the phrases that I like to just encourage people with is, it's never too late to have a new beginning. Oh, so it, love it, it really, it doesn't matter if you're 18 or 88. If you want things to change, boy, you can draw that line in the sand and make some new decisions and give you new results instantly. I love it. It's such an encouraging thing. I feel energized spending some time with you today, Dan. It was truly a pleasure. And we're going to have you back again real soon. So many other things we could talk about. And listener, thank you for giving Dan and I some of your most valuable asset, your precious time today. We really value that and we're grateful for it. I can't wait to do this again, Dan and listener. I promise we'll have another episode for you very, very soon because you know I love doing this. I've told you that. I think this is what I was called to do. This podcast thing is just awesome, Dan. I'm having so much fun. (laughs) Thank you for talking me into it, buddy. You're one of those guys Uh, uh, on the short list of guys that said, hey, you need to do this. So thank you for that. But God bless you, Dan. Listener, God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Jim. 